0: Hey now, this is the Word Made Fresh podcast with your host, I'm Matthew Tracy, and I'm Wendley Centel. Once again, thanks for joining us. We are downright delighted to have you. Thank you for being with us, guys. Welcome one, welcome all. Welcome, welcome. In the last episode, we started a study on the topic, inspiration of the Bible. And specifically, we addressed the question, where does the Bible come from? What will be our study for today?
1: So today we are continuing with that theme of inspiration of the Bible. And specifically what we're going to be looking at is Bible prophecy. Very
0: excited, Bible prophecy.
1: But before we get started, let's pray. Let's do it. Our Father in heaven, thank you, dear Lord, once again for giving us the time to open your word and to study it. We just ask, dear God, that you'll open our understanding and bless the time that we
0: have together. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Last week, we understand that the Bible comes from God, that the author behind the Bible itself is God. And there's this specific claim in the Bible where God says that he can reveal the future. Yeah. What do we make of that?
1: Let's get this settled right away. The Bible is very clear that God is unlike any other God for one reason in particular. Mm-hmm. And, and what that is that reason? he can foretell the future.
0: Pretty excited. Give us some example of that.
1: Uh, claim a couple of verses here isaiah 42 verse 9 god says behold the former things are come to pass and new things do i declare before they spring forth i tell you of them
0: that's pretty amazing so god is telling us even before something can happen he can tell us about it
1: in every particular that's amazing there's another verse in isaiah as well chapter 46 (laughs) verses 9 and 10 he says there remember the former things of old for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. And then he tells us why. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done.
0: Saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all oh, my, my pleasure. pleasure. That is amazing. And the, the reason that I like this two example, God is making it clear that I am special. There is no one else like me. There's thing that I can do that no one else can do. And for this reason, specifically because I can tell the future, That's uh, right. You should, you should trust me. Uh, can you explain to us so what is a Bible prophecy?
1: Bible prophecy, specifically, is the foretelling of future events found in
0: the Bible. Uh, so the Bible predict uh, something that has not yet happened will happen in the future. That's it. Are there examples where the Bible make a prediction about something that will happen in the future and this event did not happen? Oh, it's a good question.
1: So a couple of verses um, come to mind right away. Uh, The first one is found in the book of Jonah in the Old Testament. Jonah was a prophet who was commissioned to go to a city called Nineveh. And he had a specific message for them. And in Jonah chapter 3 and verse 4, Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, yet 40
0: days. Now notice what he says and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So Jonah is a prophet of God, and he had a message for Nineveh, and the message is pretty clear that the city will be destroyed. What happened? So, turns
1: out, the city wasn't destroyed. The people ended up humbling themselves after they heard his preaching. They found themselves fasting, praying, and sackcloth and ashes. And it says that God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, And God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. That's verse 10. Mm -hmm.
0: So in in this prophecy, we see God's mercy that even though something was prophesied, God did not follow through and and destroy the people, but instead showed mercy. Exactly. Is there other example in the Bible where there was a prophecy by a prophet of God, and the prophecy did not come to pass?
1: Okay, another one uh, is Isaiah 38. There we find a story of a a king. Mm -hmm. And his name was Hezekiah. Hezekiah was sick. And it turns out that the prophet Isaiah went to him. And he had this message for him. So Isaiah went and told him, Set thine house in order,
0: for thou shalt die and not live. So uh, looking at those two examples and prophecies in the Bible where the prophecy did not come to pass. Uh, People may start to say, hey, why should we even care about the Bible? But do we find in the Bible uh, prophecies that are very clear and that came to pass?
1: So a few of them. um, First one that comes to mind. Babylon, uh, Nineveh, Egypt, Tyre, all of these cities, all of these nations, these kingdoms, they were prophesied to be destroyed, that they were going to be destroyed, and they would Mm -hmm. never be rebuilt again. For example, you can read about Babylon in Isaiah chapter 13, verses 19 to 20, Mm -hmm. Nineveh in Zephaniah chapter 2, verses 13 through 15, again Egypt in Ezekiel 29, verse 15, and Tyre in Ezekiel 26, verses 12 through 14. Mm -hmm. All of them, it was prophesied that they would be destroyed and never be rebuilt again.
0: And, And this is very powerful to understand that the Bible can be trusted. And even in the foretelling of nation, God were able to predict nation that will come and pass. And and the two examples that we looked at, I, I want to make it very clear that those two examples were unconditional, sta- unconditional statement. The first one, and the second mm-hmm. one, God repented because uh, uh, because Zechariah prayed and acts for more time, and God can change His mind anytime. But what we see is is pretty clear from the Bible that the Bible can be trusted. There's so many prophecies in the Bible. Um, there's uh, a lot of saying, a lot of prophets about. For example, the, the the coming of Christ, prophecies concerning Christ. There is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of prophecies uh, in the Bible that came to pass. And I think the Bible is a trustworthy Yeah, book.
1: and that's deep. They say It's about, from what I remember, it's about um, at least a third of the Bible is predictive prophecy.
0: Well, that's amazing. Unlike any other book. I want to address this question. It seems to me that it can be seen as uh, a circular reasoning. Because in the Bible... We see there was a prophecy, and the and we also read about the fulfillment of that prophecy in the Bible itself, right? Isn't that kind of like an event happened? I knew about it. I prophesied it, and sure, it did happen. Right? What what do you make of
1: it? Yeah, because you read it in one chapter that oh, this is what's going to happen, and then in the next chapter you find oh, it happened. So some people say ah, they're just the Bible's panning off as a as a genuine you know prophecy, and it's not. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. Well, um, it seems that way. Yeah, But on the other hand, we do have archaeological evidence and historical evidence outside of the Bible to verify that, hey, you know what? These things actually did come to pass.
0: Yeah, most definitely. And I think one of, if you disagree with the Bible and if, if, if you don't think that is an inspired book, one of the easier, easiest way that you can disprove the Bible and even disprove God is, let's say, for example, you're going to rebuild the city of Babylon. Right. right. Day, you're right. Uh, and that will disprove the Bible and, and God all at once.
1: <laughs> yeah, you have actually four <laughs> opportunities. Go rebuild yeah.
0: Babylon or Nineveh or Egypt to Tyre. Yeah, there's, there's a powerful right. nation and, and kingdoms. Uh, is there a more detail, example in the Bible of, of a prophecy that show specifically that the Bible is inspired?
1: Okay, that's, that's really good. Um, Daniel chapter 2, hands down, is one of the best examples that we can go to.
0: What makes Daniel chapter 2 special?
1: Daniel chapter 2 is different because it is extremely detailed. And um, not even just Daniel 2, but the whole book of Daniel. is very detailed,
0: and there are multiple prophecies there. Can you give us an outline of the chapter, and what is the prophecy that's involved there?
1: So, in Daniel chapter 2, the story goes that the king had a dream, and this king, he was the king of Babylon, his name was Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar had this dream that he couldn't remember. Mm-hmm. And so what he ended up doing is he called in his counselors, who were the wise men of the nation, and Daniel happened to be among this group. Mm-hmm. And so the wise men came in and they said, uh, "King, what would you like from us?" And the king said, "I had a dream, and I can't remember it. Okay. I want you to tell me what I dreamt
0: and what it means And I believe most of the counselors were not able to tell him because they believed that could it was you impossible- tell somebody their dream uh, it's It's a bizarre request, and I wouldn't try <laughs> right? it, it would be a little futile, huh? yeah,
1: so um that's basically what they told them. They said, "King, uh, the only one who can reveal this is the gods. We can't do that, and sorry, mm-hmm. the gods don't really dwell with men. Yeah, so. they're
0: you know very distant, not personal. Yeah, you're out problem. of luck. Yeah, yeah. basically we can't, we can, we can do your, we can do your request for you.
1: Right, we're powerless. Yeah. And so what ended up happening is the guard, uh, the king's guard, went to Daniel and said, "Daniel, I'm sorry, you're part of the wise men. I'm gonna have to kill you now." <laughs> The king commanded that all of them should be killed. Yeah, bad news. And so uh, Daniel said, whoa, hold on. Let me talk to the king. Uh, Give me some time first. I'm going to get together with my friends. We're going to pray and uh, I'll have the answer. Just just give me some time. Mm -hmm. So that's what they did. They went and they prayed. And then the king uh, brought Daniel in and Daniel said, king,
0: I have your dream and I have the interpretation. Yes. And Daniel understood that there's a God in heaven uh, that is very personable and that is very, uh, that has interest in the affairs of men, even down here on earth. That's right. Can you give us an outline uh, what was the dream and what was the essence of the dream?
1: Yeah, so he starts off by telling the king, There is a God, not the gods, but mm-hmm. there is a God in heaven one. that mm-hmm. revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the, latter, th- in the mm-hmm. latter days. Thy dream and the visions of the head upon thy bed are these. And so he, he begins to tell him, You had this dream about this great image like a man. Its mm-hmm. head was made of gold, its chest and its arms were made of silver, its legs or its belly and its, its thighs made of bronze, and then it had legs that were made of iron, and then feet that were made
0: of iron and clay. Oh, that's very detailed And the essence of the dream. You didn't tell him, hey, you had a dream and you saw a statue. But give <laughs> yeah, right. him a very specific detail of what the dream entails. Uh, what does that all mean in, in, in the sense that, how does that prove that the Bible is inspired?
1: Well, um, the, the level of detail is what's going to mm-hmm. really give us that that trust and that that uh, confidence that it really is inspired. Yeah. What, what does the dream mean? What is the interpretation? Yeah. How do we make sense of it? So how do we parse it? So not only is the vision detailed, but also the the interpretation is quite detailed as well. So we don't have to guess at what any of this stuff means. Mm-hmm. We, we know because he, he tells us. So he says, this is Daniel chapter 2, verses 36 through 43. He says... This is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven has given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field, and the fowls of the heaven, has he given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth, and the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaks in pieces and subdues all things. And as iron that breaks all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it of the strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. And as the toes of of the feet were part of iron and part of clay so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken and whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men but they shall not cleave
0: one to another even as iron is not mixed with clay oh that is pretty amazing and i think the interpretation is, is indicating that the symbols that we saw in the in the dream was uh, in place for kingdoms for example the head of gold was the kingdom of babylon and there's, there's other kingdoms specifically that was going to come uh, after Babylon. To take a step back, it's there's an English saying that says that even a broken clock uh, can be right, right two times a day. So you have a clock, it's not working twice a day, you have a good indication of the time. Is that the case in the Bible? What makes the Bible prediction striking in your opinion right
1: so we we when you take the time to break this this dream apart you find out that the first kingdom as daniel said is babylon Mm -hmm. babylon reigned from approximately 605 to 539 bc before christ and then the next kingdom that came was medo persia it was a dual kingdom of two kingdoms the medes and the persians and they ruled from approximately 539 to 331 bc after the medes and the persians came the grecian empire Which ruled from approximately 331 to 168 BC. And then finally, you get to the fourth kingdom of iron, the iron monarchy of Rome. Mm -hmm. And they ruled from 168, approximately 168 to 476 AD. After Christ. After Christ. And then you have the divided nation of Rome as well. And in 476, as you say, yeah, the kingdom was divided. And it was divided into 10 toes. Yeah. Well, not literally, but (laughs) it was into 10 regions. Yes, 10 regions. Uh, So, and what's more than that is after these 10 regions, the prophecy already said they will not mingle together. They will try, but it will not happen. This reunion of these 10 regions, it's not going to happen, Mm -hmm. no matter how much they try. So in essence,
0: you're saying the level of detail that's in the dream uh, is not just a broken clock. There's more detail that's involved.
1: That's exactly it. I'll
0: give you an illustration.
1: If, um, if I went to you and I said, Wenli, you're going to have a kid, a son specifically, mm-hmm. at 30 years old, and uh, he's going to be born in March, and he's <laughs> going to have blonde hair and blue eyes, and nobody in your family has ever had blonde hair or blue eyes. And um, when he's 12 years old, he's going to graduate from high school, and That's at the age dying. of 21, he's going to no- earn a Nobel Peace Prize in astrophysics.
0: That's starting to look crazy. <laughs> it sounds pretty crazy.
1: <laughs> and so it is like with the prophecy, when yeah. you have all of this info. So the point is, the more time frame that I'm giving to you... The more details as well. And the more details I'm giving, the less likely I am to be correct. Yeah. But at the same time, if I'm correct about one thing after another, after another, and the the more time we go and the more details are correct, Mm -hmm. it's going to build a confidence in you that, hey, you know, this guy might be correct. So if those things happen, you would probably immediately come find me
0: and say, hey, what's (laughs) going to happen next? I'll just wait for the next event, the Nobel Prize at 21. (laughs) Sounds pretty exciting. And you might not need to find me.
1: You might not care. You'll be happy. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's pretty striking. So
1: same with the Bible. It's exactly like that. It gives us all this detail. And yet we find that, you know what? It's actually holding true after all of this time. Yes. And the, the book itself, in the conservative view at least, the book of Daniel was to be written around 539, mm-hmm. maybe a bit before that, maybe a bit after that. But it's around the time that the Babylonian kingdom
0: was mm. actually an empire, well, the, the ruling empire. So the level of detail is pretty, pretty amazing and something not to be glossed over. Absolutely. So when it's been correct for, for this long...
1: I tell you what, I had this this time with my grandpa. And my grandpa, um, he was in the living room in his rocking chair and he was watching TV. And uh, any time that he was in the living room watching TV, I tried to stop him from watching TV. And I came and I talked to him about the Bible. And so um, I was learning about the prophecies because for me, that's what really convinced me the Bible is not your ordinary book. Mm-hmm. Okay, So there he was and there you can see him. He's rocking and I'm standing there. Uh, and I said, hey, these kingdoms have been prophesied. You know, one after another, long before they ever happened. Mm. Look at all this detail, just boom, 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 boom. And I said, it's been accurate for at least 2,500 years, Grandpa. Doesn't it make sense that if it's been accurate this whole time, doesn't it make sense that it will be accurate all the way to the end? And you know what he did? He stopped rocking in his chair. He was staring at the TV. He wasn't watching it anymore. And for a moment, he paused and then he said, it almost makes
0: too much sense. Too much sense. I do want to raise an objection. Uh, is it possible? I know it makes sense. I know the timeline is correct. The level of, of details is pretty striking. It is, is it also possible that all these things were written after the fact? Mm, yeah, that right. you know, you know, someone wait you know, until the kingdom of, you know, the fourth empire comes and then write a book and say, hey, this is prophetic. Right, Is that a possibility? I tried to fool everybody.
1: Mm-hmm. There are people that think that. There, you know, there, there are people that believe that. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, there are at least three things that we can look at right now. And we plan, for our viewers and our listeners, we do plan to take a little bit more time to look at this because we do view it as a serious question that many people have. How do we know it really wasn't just panned off as a forgery, as a hoax, that yeah. it wasn't really prophecy to begin with. But to keep it simple for this time that we have, there are at least three things that we can look at. The first one is in the book of Ezekiel. Now, scholars are pretty much all in agreement that the book of Ezekiel was written at about approximately 593 BC. Ezekiel was a contemporary with Daniel in Babylon
0: in the conservative
1: view, right? He was supposed to be a contemporary with him.
0: And I believe all the prophets, all the minor prophets, all the prophets in the uh, uh, Old Testament was written at least 400 B.C. before Christ.
1: Right. 400 B.C. And and so the whole canon of the Old Testament was supposed to have closed 400 B.C. Around that time. Hmm. So in the book of Ezekiel, he says there, this is chapter 14, verses 13 through 14, he says, Son of man, when the land sins against me by trespassing grievously then will I stretch out my hand upon it and I will break the staff of bread thereof and I will send famine upon it and will cut off man and beast from it. And then he says, though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord. So the key point here is that it does mention Daniel. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, and so the what this leads us to conclude, is that it is probable, at the very least, that Daniel actually wrote these things in the conservative time frame during the time of the Babylonian Empire. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And if that be the case, it the implication is that all of the events were actually prophetic and they were not written
0: after the fact. After the fact.
1: So that's one thing. Another thing to consider is that even if these, uh, the scholarly community, the 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 critics specifically who object to the conservative view they say that it was written the book of daniel was written at approximately 200 bc yeah and that would mean that it was written around the time that rome was beginning to rule the, king, the roman empire where yeah where there was a transition from greece to rome and even if that's true here's the second thing to consider daniel said that these that the kingdom would fall And when it fell, it would be divided into not 9, not 11, not Mm 4 or 5, but he said 10 regions. Mm.
0: So the 10 toes. The 10 toes, Mm
1: -hmm. right? And that's exactly what happened. So how did he know 10?
0: Because that's what God prophesied.
1: Maybe it was a lucky guess. Maybe (laughs) aliens told him. You know, you hear all kinds of stuff, but that's the implication. God told him. The third and final thing is that he said that they would never reunite. So you have this division. We call that division modern-day Europe. Mm -hmm. So Europe, it was prophesied that they would never reunite. And we know over time that many people tried to do it. Many people tried to reunite uh, the empire. For example, uh, Charlemagne, Louis XIV, Napoleon, Kaiser Wilhelm, and Hitler—
0: all of them tried to reunite. But it never happened. Eh? And it never happened. Even with the European Union, <laughs> we still have a divided Europe. Yeah, maybe. even then. A lot of the prophecy that we, we studied in Daniel 2 dealt with the past. Is yeah. there any implication uh, in this prophecy about the future of our planet?
1: Okay, yeah, that's really good. Let's go back to Daniel chapter 2. In Daniel chapter 2, verse 34, we get the conclusion of the dream. Because it doesn't just end with the image. With the toes and the the, the image with okay. the toes, yeah, and the image. So it says there in verse thirty-four. Thou sawest. This is Daniel talking to the king. He says, "Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and break them to pieces." Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together, and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth.
0: And what does that mean? What is the stone and what is the filling of the earth? So he gives meaning us, to this? Uh, what, how does that affect our planet? What's, what's the future of our planet in this context?
1: So then he gives us the interpretation. And he says, after talking about the iron, the, the division of the toes, he says, in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what shall come to pass
0: hereafter. And the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof, Sure. Mm-hmm. So there's this claim that this dream is important. And, and the final uh, and the closing scene of the scene that we see that God wants to set a kingdom that is out of this world. That's it. The, now, the story ends with God's eternal kingdom. Yeah. Now, looking at all this prophecy uh, about kingdoms and, and so forth, if the Bible can predict the future, uh, so what? What does that mean to us personally? How can we make this fresh in our life?
1: Well, first off, let's just say the the, the very basics. Mm-hmm. Number one, the Bible can be trusted and it is inspired. Yeah. So that's if, the implication. If truth
0: Then the Bible is trustworthy.
1: Yeah. And, and secondly, it means that God himself can be trusted. If he's the author of the Bible and he mm-hmm. told you the truth that this is what's going to happen. Hey, it and means it that happen. you can trust him.
0: Mm-hmm. Makes sense.
1: Uh-huh. And then the third thing that we can say, and this is maybe not so basic, but... The implication of the dream is that we're waiting for one thing to happen, and that's the stone to strike the image on its feet. So, you mean like
0: we're living in the end of the world, last day, you can say? That's what it would
1: mean, <laughs> that we're living right before the end of the world. <laughs>
0: that's that's really scary. What is that? <laughs> okay, <I'm> so,
1: for <laughs> some people, it
0: might be scary,
1: right? But, um, so, if I asked you, hey, you, what would you do if you only had, you know, a short set amount of time to live? You know, you, you might think of all oh, be pretty
0: serious yeah, about life. You know, get things in order. Get things in order, huh? Get a will. <laughs> get a will.
1: <laughs> okay, so some people might be afraid of this idea, yeah. But for those who believe, it actually comes with a promise of better things. Mm-hmm. We find how this kingdom, what this kingdom looks like, by the end of the book. It says in Revelation chapter twenty-one, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. In Revelation 22, And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face. And in Revelation 21, verse 4, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away.
0: So it's pretty hopeful and for us.
1: That's it. We get a picture of what God's kingdom looks like. And I'm telling you, and all of you that are listening, you want to be a part of that kingdom.
0: That's wonderful. I love it. Beautiful. Any other application, any other lesson that we can learn? How do we apply it to our lives?
1: Final takeaway would be, you know, if God can foretell future events and he holds all of these things in his hands, just like he knows the future of the world, he knows our future as well. And just as He can control and keep in check all of what's going on in the, in the world, He can keep our lives in order and in check with Him. It says in, Ege- in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil,
0: to give you an expected end. And that's an amazing promise. I'm, very, I'm hopeful. very thankful to understand and to know that God is in control of the universe, that He can reveal not only the future, but also that he has a plan for each and every one of us. That he has a plan for me, he has a plan for you. Amen. And he has a plan for each and every one of us. Praise God. From the Word Midfresh Podcast, we are your humble servants. I'm Matthew Tracy. And I'm Wendley Santiel. Thanks for joining us. And guys, if you have
1: your questions and comments, please leave them below in the section. Don't forget, like the video, subscribe, and share with those who could use a blessing.
0: Please join us next time, on day fresh.